0: Here on a good Sunday, we're kicking off a three week series. We're calling it Christmas in three words, Christmas. In three words, and I'm going to tell you more about where this comes from and the context behind this in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to make a personal invitation. So this is from my heart to yours to come and to join us on Christmas Eve at Go Church. Christmas Eve at Go Church. Now I know that many of you you're already in the process of planning your holiday travel schedule and whatnot. So some of you you'll be out of town, but some of you will be in town. And you're going to have guests in town with you, and so we're inviting you to come if you are town. You got friends and family coming to see you through the holidays, coming to be with us for Christmas Eve at Go Church. So both of our campuses have a very special gathering times and it'll be a great gathering here at our South Metro Atlanta campus. We have Christmas Eve gatherings at 2, 4, and 6 p.m. And then at our Germantown campus, you've got gathering times of 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. And then your gathering is actually going to take place at our Clarksburg office. Uh, your campus pastor and location will give you more information on that. So 2, 4, and 6, six here and then four and six there. And then you've heard us talk about this, but at the Next Steps area, on your way out today, there's going to be made available some tickets that are color-coded and numbered for each one of these gathering times. Now, you need to know something. All of our gatherings are free. There's no charge for you to get in. Come on, this isn't a rock show or a concert or a Broadway production. Give me a good amen right there. So we're not charging anything, but the tickets do allow us to prepare for your arrival and for the arrival of your guests. So I say it like this. If you were hosting a Christmas Eve party at your house, you'd like to know how many people were coming to. Come on now. So help us by taking some tickets. You can take as many tickets as you need for you and your family. But if you don't end up needing how many tickets you take between now and Christmas Eve, please turn those back in because we have people that will be asking for tickets for that particular gathering time. So again, join us for Christmas Eve at Go Church. It's going to be a fantastic night of worship and word and communion and candlelight. Lighting. And so we just hope that if you're in town, you can make it. Anybody excited about this? Come on, if you're excited, make some noise, Christmas Eve. And if you, are, if you are traveling, go to church somewhere on Christmas Eve and let's worship Jesus because he's, he's the reason for the season. Isn't that right? As a matter of fact, it's why we're doing this series called Christmas in Three Words. Um, you know, if we're not careful, the holiday season can allow us to miss the perspective and the reality and the understanding of what Christmas is all about. If we're not careful, we can get lost in the, in the hustle and the bustle of the Christmas and holiday season, and we lose sight of why we do what we do and, more importantly, who we do it for. Society has done a pretty good job at kind of bringing some confusion to our thought process as to what Christmas is about as well. And so whenever you stop to consider, okay, what is Christmas? Immediately our minds go to a few descriptive words like shopping. Come on now. As a matter of fact, you, you know that you've been doing a lot of shopping on Amazon when you personally know your Amazon driver. Come on. Isn't that true? So this is, this is a true story. I wish I was making this up, but I'm not. The other day, our Amazon driver shows up at our house. I meet him outside because I saw him coming. And uh, I said to him, Cornelius, how you doing today? And he said, Pastor JC, I'm doing great. <laughs> We're friends. Come on now. So you know you think about Christmas and you get caught up in the shopping and the routine of that you you start to think about the presents and who you're going to buy for and are they going to buy for you? We start to think about family, all of our family, even even the crazy ones. Come on. You know you got some crazy family, right? This is a great time to nudge your spouse and say, he's talking about your side, not my side, your side of the family. We start to think about friends. And, and my goodness, let's be honest. We start to think about food. Come on now. I, I diet all year long so that I can eat through the holidays. Come on in Jesus name. As a matter of fact, I, uh, I, made, a, I made a weight loss goal challenge at the beginning of 2019. And I said, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds this year in 2019. And praise God, I only got 30 pounds to go. Come on, somebody. So <laughs> I'm on my way there. <laughs> Lord, help us all, you know. And then, and then for those of us that are in a relationship with the Lord and we have faith, we start to think about Christmas being a time of faith and what it means with, with Jesus being the Messiah and the Son of God. But ultimately, I've considered that Christmas is about three words. Now, before I give you one of the three words, because I'm only going to give you one today, because I want you to come back the next two weeks. It's a cliffhanger. Got them. Yep. So before I give you that word, I want to give you a theme verse that will carry us through our conversation today. And it's found in Luke chapter 2. This is, by the way, this is a great six, seven, eight verses here uh, for you to share with your family during the, the holiday season, through the Christmas season. And it starts off, starts off by saying this. Verse number 8, Luke 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. They were keeping watch over their flocks at night. And now here's the verse, verse number nine. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Now I'm gonna say something that has nothing to do with my message, but I thought I'd just throw this nugget of information in there for free. It's amazing to me that if you look back at verse number eight, these shepherds were simply being responsible to do the job that they were required to do. And the result of their faithfulness just to keep their hands to the plow and to do what they were supposed to do was this. God showed up. So I just want to encourage somebody today to tell you that if you'll just be faithful to do whatever it is God has called you to do, God will show up in your life. Come on, give me a good amen right there. So they became terrified and watch verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not... Be afraid. And then both campuses on the count of three, I want you to read this last, this last phrase here highlighted in yellow with me, one, two, three. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And I think this is just a good place to pause and to give God thanks that Jesus came. Come on now. Come on, let's do it well. Jesus. Cain. Come on. He's the Messiah and he's the Lord. They said, this will be a sign to you. Watch that. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths. He will be lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. They were praising God and they were all saying and singing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace. Anybody need some peace and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So today I want to kick off this series, Christmas in Three Words. And I really want you to focus in because, again, society and family traditions and religious diversity can all present to us some different understandings and perspectives about Christmas. But the Lord really shared with me in my heart that Christmas can be summarized into three simple words. This whole series is going to be that. It's going to be simple. It's going to be encouraging. We're not going to get super theologically deep here, but I believe that somebody just needs to be reminded as to what Christmas is about. And here's the first one. Take some notes. Christmas is about celebration. It's a party. Come on now. Christmas is a celebration. As a matter of fact, you read this, uh, the the reason that it's a celebration, in the 10th verse of Luke 2. We got the answer right here. The Bible says this, that the angel said to them, do not be afraid because I bring you what? Now, we get enough bad news. Pardon the grammar, but but y'all hear enough fake news. The angel said, I'm, I'm bringing some good news. I don't know about you, but in my life, I need some good news. Come on now. Some of you, you've recently had a hard conversation with your boss. Some of you dropped your car off at the mechanic's shop only to discover you got some bad news. You went to the doctor and the report wasn't what you hoped for it to hear. You've had a tough season in your marriage or with your family. The finances aren't where you thought they would be. And it seems like everywhere you turn, it's bad news, bad news, bad news. But the angel said, watch, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. And what will the good news cause? Great joy. Great joy. Let me tell you, the world we live in needs some joy, joy to the world. The Lord has come. And I love this. And who is the good news for and the great joy for all? It's for all people. And just hear my heart for a moment. It's not just for white people. It's not just for Democrats. It's not just for rich people. It's for all all people. We We are the sons of God and the daughters of God. We were created in the image of God. And God knew that you and I, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he knew that you and I, we would need a savior. And so there is some good news. And whenever you hear the good news, it causes great joy and it is for all people. That's a great place to put your hands together right there. Come on. Good news causes great joy. And this for all people that that's why Christmas is a celebration. It is we're celebrating the fact that God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. So, so there's a part of the definitions of Christmas that you and I consider that aren't all bad and they're not all negative. And listen to me, they're, they're not all wrong at Christmas time. There should be food. Come on now. What kind of party is it with no food? You ever been to somebody's house and you thought they were going to feed you, but they didn't feed you like you thought? That ain't no party. Order some pizza or some chicken wings or something. (laughs) Christmas should be with food and Christmas should be about family and Christmas should be with friends. And listen to me, you should exchange some presents. That's all right. Just don't lose sight of what Christmas is really about. At Christmas, it's a celebration. There should be laughter. There should be joy. Watch this. It's okay to get a Christmas tree. I hear people say all the time, I'm not gonna get no Christmas tree. That's a pagan thing. Well, are you worshiping the Christmas tree? That's the problem if you're like, oh, Christmas tree. You light up my life. No, that's not what you do. But a Christmas tree is all right. There should be singing. As a matter of fact, our family, we're doing, uh, through the month of December, we're doing an Advent devotion. So every night, we read some scripture. We read the devotion. We've got flashcards that gives our kids some questions to answer. And it's really cool, because it even asks the questions uh, that's connected to their age, so that they're age-appropriate questions. So even my four-year-old little girl, you know, she can can jump into the conversation we learn about Advent and about Christmas. And then at the end of, at the end of the devotion, there's always a merry moment and it's a challenge for the family. So the other night, the merry moment for the worldly household was take a video, like a selfie of your family singing a Christmas song and then send it to a family member. So the other night, Kimberly, myself, my nine year old son, my four year old daughter, we're laying in bed and we're singing. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. There should be singing at Christmas. There should be music. There should be Christmas parties. And I I have finally come to the realization that there should be, ladies listen to me, there should be Hallmark movies at Christmas. Come on now. Yeah. We should have all of that. Because what would Christmas be without the big city lawyer (laughs) who returns to her small town at Christmas time to inherit something. <laughs> and somehow magically she falls in love with a guy who only wears plaid <laughs> and owns a dog. We should have Hallmark movies at Christmas. I mean, because what would Christmas be without the recently single baker <laughs> played by some actress in the early 2000s that you completely forgot about? but she returns to her small town at Christmas time, just in time to save the family business. She shows up, but magically she falls in love with a guy who wears plaid, has a dog, he's single and he's got a cute kid. Come on now. We need Hallmark movies in our lives, don't we? Come on ladies, help me out. And by the way, the only old man in the entire town might actually be the real Santa Claus. <laughs> so we need, we need celebration at Christmas because Christmas is a celebration. Food, family, fun, laughter, joy, singing, presents, trees, hallmark. But at the end of the day, why are we celebrating? Why does all of that create this celebration at Christmas? I'm gonna give you three thoughts. Here's the first one. Christmas is a celebration because God loves you. Come on. Give me a better amen than that. God loves you. Both campuses. Let's make this more personal on the count of three. Say God loves me. One, two, three. He does. As a matter of fact, and I don't know who I'm talking to today, but he loves you unconditionally. He loves you more than any person on this earth could ever love you. And he loves you more than you love you. How, How much Does God love you? I'm glad you asked. It's the foundational verse in all of the Bible when it comes to Christianity. God so loved the world. Listen to me. You are his world. You are the apple of his eye. You are his affection. You are, Ephesians says that you are his masterpiece. That you were created in the image of God. God so loved you. That God would somehow have this idea that, hey, they can't save themselves, so I'll give, I'll come down, I'll come down off of my throne in heaven in the form of humanity, in the form of man, in my son Jesus. I'll give Jesus so that if anybody would just believe, just believe, then you won't perish, but you'll have everlasting, eternal life. Listen, in my heart, I believe this. Christmas is a celebration because Christmas is God's way of saying, guys, I love you. Unconditionally, I love you. And like you, I've I've read the Bible and, and I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it simply says God has love, but over and over again, the Bible says that God is love, that love is his nature. And if you're wanting some encouragement, here it is. God literally created you so that he could love you so that he could love you. God made you to love you. You're the object of God's love. And you need to hear something because this is important. And this is so helpful for me to know that God loves me on my bad days as much as he loves me on my good days. Because I have bad days. Anybody with me? If you didn't say amen, you lying right there. You just told a lie in church. God still loves you for lying in church. But we all got bad days. God, God loves you when you feel it. And God loves you when you don't. Yes. God, God loves you when you think that you deserve it, and then God still loves you when you realize you don't deserve it. Yes. And I know, what, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, you, but you, you don't know me. You don't know my life, you don't know my story, you don't know my past, you don't know all of my mistakes. And if you did know me, Pastor JC, then you would know that God could never love somebody like me. There's no way that God could love somebody like me. But I want you to consider this thought. God's love is not based on what you do. God's love is not based on your performance. God's love is based on on who he is. This is his character. God loves you unconditionally. As a matter of fact, let me kind of summarize uh, verses 35 through 39 of Romans chapter 8. Watch this. Is, is there anything that could ever separate us from God's love? What, what could separate us from Christ's love? Nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed So when Jesus came, his love, how much he loved you and how much he loved me was revealed through the sacrificial gift of his son, Jesus, our Lord. So there comes a point where some of you are trying to justify in your mind that God doesn't love you anymore, but that's just a lie from the enemy. God will never stop loving you and you can't make God stop loving you because God is love his nature is love his character is love and if you're sitting there thinking well, I just can't comprehend that there's no wonder because we'll never fully be able to understand the magnitude of God's love for us it's it's almost like an ant trying to understand the internet God's love is so profound God's love is so sacrificial God loves you so much that He put you before His very own. Church, listen. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Because God loves you. Are you still with me today? Yes. All right, let me give you another one. The no, another reason, second reason that we celebrate Christmas is because God is with us. All right, let me say it like this. 24-7, 365. You can run, but you can't hide. God is with us. God's with me every single day, every step of the way. God has never left me. God has never abandoned me. Come on, that's a promise in Hebrews 13. As a matter of fact, and this is just something you should know, the Bible says that all of God's promises are both yes and amen. So when God makes a promise, he has to keep the promise or he lied and that's not in his nature. That's not in his character. So if God says, I'll never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will never walk out on you, I will never abandon you, then you can take that to the bank. Because if God said it, then it shall be done. Now again, it's hard for us to comprehend that type of love because for some of us, we've experienced abandonment. We we made a, a vow on our wedding day to say, until death do us part, But for so many marriages, they end in divorce. And so for us to think, well, they walked out. Come on. And there's a lot of people that have real father issues because of abandonment. And so when you hear a preacher say, or when you read the Bible and you hear, hear, hear the words say that God will never leave you or abandon you, you're thinking, well, how can that be true? But I'm telling you, God doesn't walk out on us. He doesn't walk out. How do you know that? Because it's in his name. His very name means that God is with us. Matthew chapter one, the Virgin will conceive. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is beautiful. Now I know about abandonment. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was about 11 years old, uh, I was growing up in in the the Tampa Bay area and uh, my mom and dad and I, we lived in this uh, apartment complex and one day after school, the school bus dropped me off, and my parents were typically one of them were home to receive God's son. Just see if you're listening. Well, on this particular day, I walk in and nobody's there. I'm thinking, where is everybody? Now, some some of you uh, teenagers, I'm going to take you back to a time that you know nothing of. This was before cell phones. We had a landline. Come on now, with an answering machine. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Just wave at me. You know what I'm talking about? So, so what, what happened was my mom called the house and she left a message on the answering machine that said, Hey, when you get home today, go to the neighbor's house. Me and your dad are going to go look for a new car. Well, I never got the message. But that wasn't the only precautionary step that my good mother took. She also called the neighbors and said to the neighbors, make sure you tell JC that we're not coming home for a few hours. He's going to spend the afternoon and the early evening with you all. He'll do dinner there or whatever, and then we'll be home. But the neighbors never told me that. So for hours... I was alone like a little orphan child with no mother and no father. Come on. For like four hours, I didn't eat. Come on, somebody. Do you feel my pain right now? So minute by minute passed. Hour by hour passed. I wish this was a made up story, but this ain't made up. This is as true as it gets. Hour passed after hour passed. And finally, I did what any 11-year-old abandoned child would do. I called 911. I called 911, 911 operator picks up the phone. 911, what's your emergency? I said, my mother and my father have left me. They're gone. Okay, young man, uh, has this ever happened before? I believe it has. Because you know you say stuff when you're afraid, don't you? I think it has. More than once, often, I'm alone, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten. So who do you think shows up? Not my parents, the police. And the paramedics, and the fire department, and D-Facts, and the dogs, helicopters, news—everybody's there. It's a party. Well, I think I thought I had done a great deed until my parents showed up, and I saw the look on my daddy's face, and I knew, oh, I'm a dead man walking. Come on out. I think for many of us, we've had moments where we feel abandonment. But listen to me, God will never abandon you. God never walks out on you. Now, here's what the holidays do. The holidays always increase anxiety. The holidays always increase loneliness and emptiness. And statistically, I mean, you can look at stats, the holidays you will always see an increase of even suicide. Because, because the enemy wants you to feel like you've got nobody and nobody loves you and everybody's left you and nobody cares about you. And, and if you were gone from the face of this earth, nobody would miss you. And I don't know if somebody's listening to me and that's the world that you live in and you feel that way. But sir or ma'am, that is a lie from the enemy. People do love you. Your family does love you. And at the end of the day, God loves you. Come on and encourage somebody by the round of applause. You, you are loved. You are loved. And it's not the desire of God for you to be lonely. As a matter of fact, when God created mankind, what did he say to Adam? He said, it is not good for man to be alone. Every single person should give me an amen right there. Come on. 2020, your man is coming. I'm just, I feel the spirit of Anita in the room. I need a man. Come on now. You'll give, Help your neighbor get that, okay? It's not good for man to be alone. At the end of the day, God wants you to do life with people. He wants you to do life with people. That's why we preach small groups and the ministry of groups so much is because God never intended for you to go through life alone. You need people to encourage you on your bad days and to celebrate you on your good days. You know what I'm talking about? But listen. But when people let you down, and people will let you down, God will never fail you. God won't walk out on you. If you need to get in touch with God, he's always available. He never sleeps. He never vacations. There is no sick day when it comes to God. Come on. He's always there. The Bible says that he's just as close as the very mention of his name. Somebody just say Jesus. Come on. Jesus. Jesus. And he's right there. So yeah, we need people in our life, but more than people, we just need God in our life. And maybe, just maybe, the reason that you feel that emptiness and the reason that you feel that loneliness is because of the disconnect between you and God. This is good news. That God says, if you call on me, he'll answer. And that God loves you and that God will be with you. Listen, don't miss this. This is important. The fact that God loves you and the reality and the understanding that God is with you means that you do not have to face anything today or tomorrow or in the new year by yourself. Whatever it is you're walking through. The psalmist David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I think for many of us, sometimes we feel that way. But let me just encourage you that even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is right there with you. And God says, because I love you and because I'm with you. Look, he says, I got this. Yes. You don't have to worry. Be honest with yourself. Your worrying has never fixed one problem. Y'all not going to help me preach today. That's all right. You know, because God loves you and God's with you, you don't have to sweat it. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be fearful and afraid because God loves you and he's with you. As a matter of fact, here's what I've learned. When God is near, he removes all my fear. Come on, is this true for anybody? That whenever I get close to God and I feel God close to me, he removes my fear. The enemy loves to operate in fear. When God says, you don't have to operate in fear. You have faith. And I'm with you. When God is near, he removes all fear. Let me go back a few years. Uh, many of you, you remember uh, this poem. Either you've heard this poem or you saw a printed version of this poem at your parents' house, your grandparents' house. But it's a beautiful poem that really kind of uh, pulls together the whole point that God is with us in the good days and the bad days. And the poem is simply titled Footprints. And here's what it says. One night there was a man who had a dream. And he dreamed that he was walking on the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed there were two sets of footprints in the sandy beach. One set belonged to him, and the other set of footprints belonged to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that this typically happened at the very lowest and saddest moments of his life. This really troubled the man. It bothered the man, and he questioned the Lord about it. He said, Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, that you would walk with me all of the way. But I've noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there was only one set of footprints. Lord, I don't understand why when I needed you the most, you would have left me. The Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you and I promise to never leave you or abandon you. See, during your times of trial and during your times of suffering, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then I carried you. Can I tell you that for many of us, come on and give Jesus praise for many of us. I think we look back and we see one set of footprints and we think you walked out on me just like so-and-so did. You left me just like so-and-so did. But church, and again, I don't know who this is helping, But God's not left you. God has picked you up. And God is carrying you to the next promise. God is carrying you to the next victory. God is carrying you to the next moment. He's not a God that leaves you. He's a God that lifts you up. Come on, one more time, give Jesus some thanks. God loves you. God is with you. And then here's another reason that Christmas is a celebration. That's the word for the day. We celebrate Christmas because God is for you. God is for you. I wish I could could say this in a way that would really connect how I feel about the reality that God is for you. He's your biggest champion. He's He's your number one fan. He's your biggest cheerleader. God God is in heaven and he's he's cheerleading you on. Come on, come on, you can do it. I've created you to do it, I've empowered you to do it. Listen to me, I don't know who's walking through some difficult times, but just put one foot in front of the other and know that God, God is for you. Come on, say, God is for me. And what we do as Christians, we get so committed to, to memorizing John 3.16 that God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him, they would not perish but have everlasting life. But we fail to continue to read the very next verse. And in the very next verse, we learn that God is for us. He's not against us. The verse uh, that's after John 3.16 is the 17th verse, and it says, God did not send his son into the world to do What? No, condemnation is the, 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 the objective and the job of the enemy. No, God sent his son Jesus to save the world. And so many people, they're, they're afraid of God. And I'm not talking about the holy reverent fear that's needed to keep us in check. And we need that, don't we? We need this holy reverent fear of God to know that it is God that breathed all things. And from his fingertips, fire flew, and he put the world into orbit. It's God, all-powerful God, that right now tells the sun when to shine and the moon when to glow. That by a spoken word from God, the earth rotates on its axis. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? There should be a holy, reverent fear of God, but so many people, they're afraid of God in an unhealthy way. Oh, if I if I come to God, if I try to get close to God, He's going to punish me. If I have you ever heard this? Maybe you've said it or you heard somebody. Oh, if I go to church, lightning will strike. Raise your hand at both camps. You ever heard that? Okay. If God wants to hit you with lightning, He's going to hit you with lightning. (laughs) It don't have to be in church, but He's not out to strike people with lightning where where does the idea of that type of God come from if I if I get close to God he's just going to pull out the list of all of the things that I've that I've done wrong listen to me God did not send his son to scold us he sent his son to save us give me a better amen than that and I, and I hear people say, well, well, if God is a God of love, if God is with me, if God is for me, how could, how could a God like that send people to hell? God doesn't send anyone to hell. God made a way out of hell. The only people that experience eternal punishment are the ones that run from God. God says, I'm not, he's, it is the will of the father that no man would perish. Are you hearing these words today? Come on, that no man would perish. And yet the enemy has done such a, such a good job. And I hate to even give them credit at making people afraid of a God that loves you, that is with you and that's for you. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why it's because of guilt. We get caught up in guilt and the enemy loves for you to feel guilty. A guilt is such a bait because watch, listen, guilt separates you from God, but grace connects us to God. So the enemy loves when you feel guilt because then in our guilt, watch, we isolate ourselves. In our guilt, we isolate ourselves from our church. In our guilt, we isolate ourselves from our family. In our guilt, we isolate ourselves from our friends. And the enemy loves isolation. So he uses guilt as a tactic. And then you take that guilt and you think, oh, man, I'm so, I've done so many wrong things. Welcome to the club. Amen. The Bible says in Romans that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. If we're going to start kicking people out of church because, you know, they've done wrong things, guess what? I'm going first. Amen. So we're not going to do that because somebody's got to finish the sermon. <laughs> but guilt, man. Guilt is a crazy thing. And we become terrified that God is out to scold us. I want you to hear my heart. You're on a clock. You only get one life. None of us are promised tomorrow. I'm not trying to manipulate you into some relationship with God. I'm not trying to scare you into some relationship with God. But somebody's got to tell you that time is short. Life happens fast. One moment we're here, the next minute we're not. At some point in this life, you have to accept the grace of God, the mercy of God, which, by the way, his grace is sufficient to cover all of your slip ups. And the Bible says that his mercy is new every morning and it's new every morning because he knew you'd mess up the day before. So at some point, you have to say, God, I can't save myself. God, I'm coming to you because I need you. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You walk in obedience to according to his word and his will. And when we breathe our last breath, the Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. That's the glory of Christmas. That's why we celebrate. Listen to me. I celebrate because this world is not my home. I celebrate Christmas because I know that I'm on a clock and one day, tick tock, tick tock. And then I'll stand before my father in heaven. And I'm not trying to live my life for an amen or for a congregational applause. I'm living my life to hear Jesus say, well done, JC. Well done, JC. Am I helping anybody today? We get so afraid of God when we mess up. Now We always mess up. You should have been in my house last night when I watched the Bulldogs lose. I had to repent for what I felt on the inside of me. Jesus, help me, Lord. But God just wants to save you. He just wants to love you. And he wants you to know that he's with, he's with you and he's for, he's for you. One of the most uh, dominating questions I hear in counseling is what's God's will for my life? What's God's purpose for my life? What's God's plan for my life? It's an important question to answer and to ask. But I always find it ironic that people think that God is like somewhere in heaven, in the corner of heaven, hiding his will from you. So God, the creator of the universe, the one that literally breathed into your nostrils and gave you breath. The one that created you to be fearfully and wonderfully made now all of a sudden doesn't want you to succeed. So I'm going to take my plan, God would say, my purpose for you. I'm going to hide it from you and good luck trying to find it. That's not the God that we serve. And I tell people all the time and somebody needs to hear this. Nobody wants you to be in God's will any more than God. Because God's not out to get you. God's not out to see you fail. God is a winning God. He is a victorious God. And he wants his sons and his daughters to be victorious as well. Are you with me? If you're with me, say, I'm with you. So the Bible says that God didn't send his son to condemn the world. He sent his son to save it. And let me prove it to you. The very first words that the angel said to the shepherds who were in the field when, when the glory of the Lord shone around them, the angels showed up. The Bible says what? They were terrified. And what did the angels say? Their first response, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And I'm just going to say something. Nope. Everybody hang in there for a couple more minutes. Some of you are on the fence with this faith thing. Some of you are on the fence with this uh, decision to follow Christ, to put Christ first. And I want to tell you something listen to me. Do not be afraid. God loves you, God is with you, God is for you. They said, do not be afraid. And I just thought, man, how profound is that? Of all of the things they could have said, they chose, do not be afraid. So I thought, how many times in the Bible does it say, do not be afraid or or, fear not? Like one of those statements. Watch this. From Genesis to Revelation, there are 365 fear not or do not fear statements in the Bible. Watch. That's one for every single day of the year. If you don't feel that in your filler, your filler's broke. Fear not. Fear not. Do not be afraid. He says, I love you. I'm with you. And I'm for you. Church, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And when you hear it, it causes great joy. And it's for everybody. I try to close out every message with just a challenging question or a thought. So here it is. Do you really know that God loves you? Do you really know that? Do you believe that? That God loves you. As a matter of fact, I'm not even gonna preach to you. I'm gonna preach to me for a second. It amazes me that God loves me. A nobody. A nobody. I told, I told my I told my barber the other day, man, we had church in the barber shop. How many know you can have church anywhere? I told my barber the other day, I said, if if God If God could save J.C. Worley, God can save anybody. That, That God is with me, do I know that? That when I was 13 years old and my dad died from a heart attack and I felt like my world was over, God never left. I look back now in that season of my life and guess what there were? Only one set of footprints, but they weren't mine when I ran away from home because I thought I'm going to be my own man. Listen to me. Teenagers adulting is not as fun as you think it is. Say that some, some parent needs to help me preach real quick. So when I got part, Kimberly doesn't like when I use this word, but I'm anointed right now. So, um, when I got stupid and I left the covering of my mom thinking I'm going to do my own thing, (laughs) caught up in addiction and sin, He was right there. (laughs) He was was right there. And to know the whole time he's been for me. Listen. Tell me another religion. Tell me another faith. Tell me another God that does this for his children. There is no God like our God. And the God that we serve, the God that we worship every weekend when we come together is a God that is a God of love. It's a God of provision. He's a God of protection. He's a God of faithfulness. He's a God of promise. Da ah. Every head bowed, both campuses. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. I want to close a little differently because we'll talk about the legacy offering. Please don't leave. Give me three, four more minutes before we transition. You've got to answer this question. Do you know that the Lord loves you, that he's with you and that he's for you? Don't you leave here until you make right with God. Come on, just for a second. Let's worship. How he loves us so We worship you Jesus and oh How he loves us so Oh how he loves us How he loves us so. Every every head bowed I want you to take your right hand come on put it over your heart both campuses I just want you to repeat this after me Father God Today, I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm inviting you to be Lord of all. I'm ready to accept your love, your grace and mercy. I'm ready to accept the promise of your faithfulness and your hand of provision and protection over my life. So I make you Lord. Here today, forgive me of every sin, of every wrong. Save me and set my, set my feet on a new path. I want to be a new person today. And I'm praying all of this by faith and faith alone. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for never giving up on me. And thank you for being with me. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, the best round of applause you've got. Come on. Come on, is that the best you've got? Come on. Somebody just thank Jesus for his love, for his faithfulness. Come on, shout unto God real quick, both campuses. Come on, somebody love on Jesus. To God be the glory. Yeah. Hallelujah. Fantastic. All right, grab a seat for one minute here. So you've been hearing for weeks now. We've been talking about the Legacy Offering. Hang in there with me, both campuses. Come on, hang in there with me. Watch this. We've been talking about the Legacy Offering. Even if you're new here, I want you to hear what God's doing at Go Church. On the left side here are the different lanes That this legacy offering will go towards local outreach, world missions, Christian education, assistance with food insecurity and medicine, church planting and benevolence. You've heard this for weeks. Here's what's so unique about this offering. We're asking 100% of you to give because we're giving 100% of it away. Come on now. Isn't that exciting? So today's the day for that. And again, I'm asking for 100% participation. I do not care about the amount of money. I just care about the amount of obedience. That's it. Everybody can do something. You got some loose change in your pocketbook right now, ladies. Come on, everybody can do something. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you can see this pin that I'm wearing, but one of our precious children, her name is Chloe, she's nine years old. She's a part of our Go Kids here at our South Metro Atlanta campus. She told her mom, I want to give to the legacy offering, but I don't have any money. She said, what I do have, though, is a gift to make buttons. So a little nine-year-old Chloe made a couple hundred buttons that says Go Church on them. And she said, can we just sell them at the Go Gear shop and all the money go towards the legacy offering? Nine years old. Come on now. That's fantastic, isn't it? So everybody everybody, just doing something, we're giving 100% of it away, all of it. Now, here's the instruction. On your way out today, you'll have a chance to give in-house, in-house giving. Uh, if you're gonna give cash, this is really important. I want you to put that cash in a giving envelope, a generosity envelope. It's in the seat in front of you or the row at the movie theater there. Uh, put that cash in that envelope and then mark on the envelope legacy so that that can be accredited towards the legacy offering. If you're writing a check, you can simply just put legacy or legacy offering in the memo line. That way we know that that gift is going towards the legacy offering. If you're gonna give online, just real quick, you can go to mygochurch.com. You'll select give. It's one of the first uh, tabs that you'll see on the homepage. You'll select give. Then you'll be required to select what campus you attend. That's really important too. So choose whatever campus that you attend on a regular basis. And then there'll be some drop-down options and you'll choose legacy. Now the legacy offering is above and beyond your tithes, your normal giving. So make sure that, that you indicate it that way by saying, this is my legacy offering. If you want to try text to give, really safe and secure. It's simple. If you're a part of the South Metro Atlanta campus, there's your number. We'll leave this screen up for a minute or two. The Germantown campus, there's your text to give number. And then all you have to do is put the amount that you want to give and the word legacy. So this isn't a suggested amount. It's just an example. If you want to give $100, you put 100 legacy. $1, one legacy. $1,000, 1000 legacy a million dollars come on now a million legacy no commas or decimal points are needed you just put the number in and the word legacy all of our online giving our app giving our text to give giving it's all safe it's all secure if you've never given that way before there's a two-minute information sheet you need to fill out so that we can secure your debit card or credit card information really really simple again everybody doing something because we're going to give it all away my mentor says it like this if everybody does a little together we can do a lot. And as we go into the new year, we'll have vision Sunday. Once we get into the new year, we'll announce to you the total amount given for the legacy offering. And then we'll begin to show you the different ways that God is using your generosity to make a huge impact and your community and people around the world. One more thought. If you didn't come today prepared to give, you're waiting on a Christmas bonus or waiting on a few things to happen, the legacy offering opportunity will be available until the end of the year. So for the rest of December, and then those giving tabs and features will go away because we're trying to take up one big offering so we can count all of that. And then I told you this week after week, I put my hand on the Bible, we're giving it all away. I'm not keeping a penny of it for the work of this church. We're gonna make a huge difference around the world. Come on. Is that good? That's good. All right. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the generosity of people. Thank you for those who are now in right standing with you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus name we pray. God bless you and God bless. Go church. Merry Christmas.